Remembering 9-11 20 years later with a look back at some of our local coverage in New York and southern New England with three of us who were there. 10 News Conference starts right now. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And the people... Soon. 20 years ago, good morning everyone, I'm Gene Valicente. This is a good morning, that not such a good morning. Joining me today is Allison Baloney from NBC10 and our former NBC10 photographer Bob Farrell for a special edition of 10 News Conference. Thanks for coming in, uh, Bob and Allison. It's a, a pleasure. Uh, you and I were there that night, but let's begin with Allison. Allison, you were there that morning. You were working as a young person for... Uh, Dateline NBC, you were living in lower Manhattan. You heard the plane screaming down the street. I heard the plane first. Yep. So it was early in the morning. I was living on Thompson Street at the corner of Thompson and Bleecker, which had a perfect view of both towers right. when you went outside. So the first thing I heard was that sounded different. Mm -hmm. It's not a usual sound at that time in the morning. So at the time, I was an associate producer for Dateline, and the pagers start going off. The tower's been hit. So I rush downstairs, five flights of stairs. I go outside, and the tower's on fire. Right. Start making a phone call into 30 Rock to find out what's happening. And then I heard another sound, looked over my shoulder, and watched the first tower collapse. All right. You saw with your own eyes what we've all seen on videotape. Did it sound? Did you, did you hear it like a rumbling, a, train? a roaring, it? a rumbling and a roaring. And after the first tower came down, right. then we went towards Tribeca, closer, and then the second one came down. All right. Now, sometimes when I see something traumatic, you wonder, is this real? Am I dreaming? Was, was that the case? Did you it have a sense like that this is really motion. happening? It felt like slow motion. Yes, it felt like slow motion because I heard it before I saw it when I go back in time. Right. And it felt like this roaring, this rumbling, but it was slow and deliberate right. at the same time. And then the whole uh, city just became engulfed in the smoke. Were you right? frightened? In the cloud. Were you frightened? I think I was just moving so quickly. Yes, I think no. I was when I look back on it. But at the time, I just kept thinking, where is everybody? What's happening? Right. And the journalism piece started moving. I started acting yeah. like a reporter at the same time, which maybe was a defense mechanism too. You were covered with dust and soot just like we've seen yes, in the Yes, it was pictures. a warm day. It was yeah. a warm day. So by the time I was near the second tower, I was about a block away from it when it came right. down, covered in the dust because we had sandals on at the time. Okay. And um, I don't know what made me go closer to it. You'd yeah. think you'd go further away, but um, I wasn't alone. There was a whole group of us. And then the city became silent. Right. Bob, you and I went down that night. We left here early that morning. By the time we got in, it was about six, seven o'clock. It was tough to get into New York City. Everybody's leaving. We're trying to get in. But we eventually got in. Uh, we got to where we needed to be. And eventually we made our way to ground zero. And we may have been one of the earliest crews to get to ground zero only because we hitched a ride on the Providence Canteen, mm -hmm. which is the coffee and soup and food truck. We happen to have one of the best in this area and the rest of the firefighters know that they took us there on that truck and when we popped open the door we almost got out it looked like a movie set it was like a um, a really bad science fiction movie yeah we walked through open bank buildings yes open stores well we set up our our, our equipment with the NBC crew yeah and uh, we were assigned to do live shots, and I believe you did those live shots. Yeah. Well, during that evening, I, by doing that, I didn't have a camera anymore. It was tied up. So one of the canteen guys gave me a, a small home movie camera. And then next morning, when you were free from right. doing your thing, we were able to go in and 
and shoot the stuff because it really hadn't been cordoned off at that point. We yeah. were still free to walk around Ground Zero, and uh, it was amazing. Uh, it was uh, you were showing the the broken down fire trucks and the right, right. And, and, uh, and the police cars turned over and all the de destruction and the the, the paper that yeah. was everywhere. Paper. Everywhere. Well, all three of us have brought up paper as something we remember. Uh, anything solid, desks, furniture, that was all incinerated, vaporized. It was but what I remember is the paper, millions yeah. of pieces of paper floating to the ground, sloshing paper. through it, yeah. sloshing through it. Allison, you even have some of the paper. So when the dust settled, up. I started shifting through it, sifting through it, and you can see, yeah. I'm gonna hand it to you. It's you singed. can see it it's singed, singed. Yeah. from the fire that came in the building. Not all of it was singed. These are just two pieces I found, so you yeah. can kind of tell how singed it's, it is. Um, I don't know what belonged to what, but we did pick up this memo from the Port Authority, and this memo was not singed, but it was logging the hours researching the investigation into the bombing of the Trade Center in 1993. I was there for that as well, and I remember thinking at the time, they'll never knock this tower down. What a fruitless exercise that was. They destroyed the lobby, they destroyed the parking lot, but I remember thinking never in a million years would they knock this down. Well, so they came 9 back. 11, they 20 years back. later, and this ends up in my hand. And, that and was, both towers are gone by that point. It was just on the sidewalk, you picked it up? Just picked it up off the sidewalk. Yeah, I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it is, you can't kind of, I know if you weren't there, but that's what I remember, paper sloshing through paper and dust. Uh, the dust was on you. Mm -hmm. uh, later, even for the rest of the week, Robert, when we went back there, that mm -hmm. dust was everywhere. And it now they everywhere. believe that dust was a cancer-causing right. agent. Right. Know. In fact, that night, when they, the only thing we had to eat was late, late at night, the canteen had put out these uh, bowls of uh, beef stew. Right. And I asked mine not to have any cheese on it. And they looked at it and they said, it's, that's not cheese. That's dust. That was the dust, right? Settling they on anything. They were serving that to the workers. It, it was just everywhere. The dust was, and and then if you remember, the building came. The, the last building came down while we were there. Right. The siren went off and everyone was yeah. running, and another building came down. So yeah. the chaos was still going on, and we didn't know if it was, uh, if it was over yet. I right. mean, right. the fear of of what the what had happened stayed with us for that, probably that month. Yeah. Uh, and that night especially, we didn't know what we had gotten into. Let's yeah. roll one of the, uh, let me tell direct. let's roll one of our early packages. This would be you and I arriving there. Uh, this is that first night when we got there. And again, it was tough to get into New York, but we made it. New York is not the New York we know right now because tens of thousands of cars carrying theater goers, shoppers, the curious have been kept out of the city. The streets are empty. They're normally clogged. Everything's closed going south, emergency vehicles only. You could get to the edge of the Bronx, right. but not across the river to Manhattan. I've been around since this morning, like at 9 a.m. Yeah. Are you lost, Nick? You're lost now. Yeah, I'm kind of lost. Police officers posted at the major highways leading to the bridges and tunnels that were closed and fielding questions all day long from confused commuters. East. How far is Cross County from here? About two miles. Oh, that's not too bad. All right. Take that to the, to the Hutchinson River Parkway going south. That'll take you right to the Whitestone. It's 610. That's the traffic leaving Manhattan going off the island, bumper to bumper. This, this is the empty highway going into Manhattan, the Major Deegan. On the island in Manhattan, stunning scenes like these firefighters staged at a firehouse. And this crowd, watching the evening news at a plaza. 
We'll have more of the reporting coming up. Allison, the city emptied out. It emptied out. And I remember standing on one street after the second tower came down mm. and hearing the Pentagon's been hit. The Pentagon's been hit. It felt like the end of the world. Mm. And Shanksville uh, came later. Shanksville. Uh, you know, I don't know, talking about it, I, w I was a little uh, trepidation going into this broadcast. I don't know why. You know, we, we talk about the anniversary every year, and I was there for the first year and the tenth year, and in between the anniversary and 90, but something about this one, maybe it's the passing of time, we all get older. Uh, there's some, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know if it's a depression or just a trepidation. There's something about this particular 20th. After the towers came down and we were assigned all of our different duties, this was yeah. before we could shoot video on our cell phones. Um, Neil Shapiro, who became the president of NBC News, was the executive producer of Dateline, and he said, I want everybody to find a camera, go to Circuit City, wherever you can find one, yeah. and just start shooting whatever you can shoot. And I feel today a little bit like I felt that night. I was holding the camera. I went to one of the stations where they were registering missing people, mm -hmm. and I remember holding one of the cameras, and my hand was shaking because I had met a family, yeah. uh, the Swift family, and they were looking for their... Um, their loved one, Tom. Everybody was talking about Morgan Stanley. So many employees are probably right. perished from Morgan Stanley, and, and many did. But Cantor Fitzgerald became yep. such a huge part of the story. So I ended up hearing about Tom Swift. Uh, this is his memorial card. Mm -hmm. uh, this is Tom Swift. And I met his family. And what they were doing was looking for him. And there was a moment, I spent the whole night with them, September 11th and into the 12th, mm -hmm. and they thought they had found Tommy. So I'm holding the camera and my, my hand's shaking and I hear Kathy, his sister, go, they found him. Mm -hmm. They found him. They found Tommy. And then a few minutes later, it was a false alarm. We'll get a touch. There was so much of that happening throughout right. the weeks after 9-11. After right. um, and it was just so heartbreaking. They, I don't believe they ever found the remains of Tom. Bob, do you remember we were in Queens uh, two nights after and, and the, the streets were full of people just coming out. It was a... The weather was warm and people were out, but they were coming up to us with pictures of their loved ones. Could you please put this on television? They were plastering them on the side of our of our truck. Yeah, it was heartbreaking. It was hot. Yeah, because then we would move, and all those poor people were upset that we were yeah. leaving. But we were we were providing, I think, um, the service that we you know that we needed to do, and and we got in there, and uh, it, it was it, you, like you said, it was it was really really tough. Because you wanted to help each right. and every one of those people, but you just couldn't. And uh, you know, we we had those those yep. trucks were covered with the, mm. those signs. And the, and the truth is, every one of those people on those pictures oh. that they were plastering, they were lost. They yes. were lost. Yeah. Allison Bologna is with me. Allison was down there at the time, and Bob Farrell, my longtime Channel 10 photographer, has come back. He's retired now, and I know you're enjoying retirement. Appreciate you coming in. Uh, these are the newspapers we all picked up. This is from 9:12. The New York Times. Uh, it happened in the morning of the 11th, so they printed the next day. Some of them rushed out special editions. That's the New York Times. Providence Journal covered it this way, with a dramatic picture there. And then the news. Uh, Same headlines. Yeah. Though, U.S. attack. U.S. attack. News conference went on. New York Post. That's a very famous uh, picture of them uh, hoisting the flag right at ground zero. And then uh, the days progressed. This is uh, New York Times from September 13th. Again, more. Ground, ground zero. Allison, you grab some of the papers on the ground. This is what I have. Uh, in a digital age, uh, this is something to hold on to. Mm -hmm. it's, it's different than going, going to a website. Uh, Allison, you spent some time with firefighters right there. So NBC was on the air when I was at the network for two weeks straight, mm -hmm. 24 hours a day, and then we took a little bit of a break. And uh, because we had all had our own cameras at that point, 
we were assigned to different firehouses, mm -hmm. not just in New York, but New Jersey too. So I was assigned to Rescue 4 in Queens. Uh, Sparky knows a lot about this. So Rescue 4 would be like special hazards right. in uh, Providence. So if you will, the elite firefighters mm -hmm. with the most experience. Um, I lived with them in Queens for a few months, going to and from Ground Zero, and also just learning about how they were coping after 9-11, because the men and women who went to the towers that day never returned. So these are their brothers and sisters who were going back and forth to find them. And I spent Thanksgiving with their widows as mm -hmm. well. They had an amazing sense of resilience. They didn't seem to tire. If they did, they didn't let on. Mm -hmm. And they went there every day to find whoever they could find. Yeah, and you know, that, that sense of tragedy lost. That, that expanded up into Connecticut, where these suburban towns lost dozens and dozens of people. New Jersey had towns out in the suburbs that just were devastated by all of this. Now, Bob, you, you brought up LaGuardia Airport. Uh, before we get to LaGuardia and what was going on with stranded passengers, let's roll the story. This is the Providence Canteen, which was the unit that we mm -hmm. rode in with. And they served a lot of people there, and they did a lot of good work. Go ahead and roll that for us. It's a place where the streets remain covered with a thick gray dust and where the smell of smoke and plasterboard and the combined odors of death and destruction mix with everything else. A place where the air gets thicker and nastier the closer you get to where the towers once stood. And what could be said about a scene like this? Extraordinary on any other day, any other place. And yet here, right now, today, it seems common, not out of the picture. A block away, the men who manned the Providence Canteen, the crew that came down on day one. This, this place is uh, totally unbelievable. It's total devastation. Uh, the air is just, time around here is just somber, and just people working, no people. Once they found out that the capability that this canteen unit had, they put it right in the front line. We're like, you know, a thousand feet away from, from the collapsed building. Coffee and beef stew dished out by the gallon, right across the street from the aftermath of a nightmare. And this is it, ground zero. That's the right word, zero. That's where the Twin Towers once stood. It doesn't look anything like that. Have, what was the last time you've been down? The remarkable transformation. Mm -hmm. And the memorials do justice to it. And the Freedom Tower architecture is, is magnificent. I'm concerned about the future of it. I think it's a target, but it really is stunning, Allison, a turnaround. And what's interesting, too, though, Gene, during 9-11, when, when I was living with, here's Rescue 4, a shout out mm -hmm. to these men, um, some of them who I lived with for months after 9-11, was they had to do day-to-day -day duties in the city as well, yep. as well they were trying to clean up Ground Zero. This was like one of our regular runs in between mm -hmm. going back and forth. Um, a trying time, for sure. Bob, you uh, remember LaGuardia Airport. That was one of the places that they sent us to. And they sent us there because pe people by the thousands were stranded. It was, it was chaos. It was amazing. Because uh, we were assigned uh, that morning to one of the NBC trucks. And randomly, they sent us to this airport because they had heard so, uh, that there was stranded people there. We came over the knoll, and I remember looking down there and there wasn't a taxi around. There wasn't a rental car around. Right. There was no way to leave that. You were stranded. You were trapped. And they had taken all of the, uh, the uh, vending machines right. and broke them open to get food. The Dunkin' Donuts or whatever, they were all wiped out. And they were literally uh, waiting. Yeah. And when they saw us, it was, it was like the Night of the Living Dead. They were all running at yeah, us they, like they the were, zombies. Yeah. They wanted help from they the outside. They wanted help. Mm -hmm. They were and stuck. They, and yeah. then we had to convince 
New York to put us on the air, and we were going national. And when we did go on, uh, then soon afterwards, uh, help uh, the Red Cross came, and and police started to arrive and to help them. Uh, but it was it was a very very strange thing to to see. We've got the story. Go ahead and roll the LaGuardia Airport report we did 20 years ago. This is the line to get out of New York, and there are no guarantees. We report we've been on maybe six flights. We come. You mean you get on the plane and you get off oh, the plane? Oh, no, no. We never get as far as a plane. Okay. We check in. We give them our luggage. We sit and we wait three or four hours. Then they said, sorry, canceled. Oh, I've been here since on Tuesday. I've been stranded. This woman from Nigeria trying to get to California. So they told you to come here to catch a plane? Yes. But that's canceled again? Yes, it's canceled again. And where are you going now? I don't know. I don't know. I just, I don't just know. My heart goes out to her. My heart really goes out to her. I mean, this woman's story, this would be as if you or I were stuck today in Nigeria. And can't get back home. And we don't know where we are or how to get from one part of the country to the other. Yeah. You know, these people should pay for what they did. They have made so many lives disrupted. They, they have just thrown chaos into a place that's normally an easy place to live every day, you know? This, this is unfair, and they should be made to pay for what they have done. Add to the mix these folks, who should have been on a boat going to Nova Scotia or Bermuda. Their ships never came in, and they've been told to come to LaGuardia to catch a bus. The 9-11 Memorial at Oakland Beach is a quiet, steady reminder of those from southern New England lost on that horrible day, including Renee Tetralt-Newell and Carol Bouchard. Renee was taking Carol on a trip to Vegas. It's still a shocking um, perception for people to realize that your life isn't totally in control. My sister was a beautiful person, as um, all the rest of them were. I remember those stories RJ did, RJ did 20 years ago, and he followed up for us uh, this week on the Tetro family. Also a little more now, Carol Bouchard. These are local people lost on 9-11, RJ. Carol Bouchard had worked at Koch Eye Associates for years before taking on a new challenge in the emergency room at Kent Hospital. She was a very sweet woman. She was very funny, always very pleasant, really nice to be around, very good at her job. I enjoyed working with her. Kerry Seelenbrandt remembers how excited Carol was about going on a girl's trip to Vegas with her other friend Renee Tetralt-Newell and Renee's mom Lillian Tetralt. It was her first real girl's trip and she really couldn't wait to go. She was extremely afraid to fly. She mentioned that more times that we, how she had never flown before and she didn't know what it felt like. I said to her, bring a book, put some headphones on. Lillian that's Lillian. I remember Lillian. She became a friend of the station. Anjay did a lot of stories on, uh, on Lillian. As we move towards some closing thoughts here, uh, Bob, you wanted to mention some of the guys on that canteen truck later developed cancer, and it was linked to the work they did at Ground Zero. Yeah, the uh, World Trade Center uh, Health Program is monitoring uh, folks who are there, right. and the statistics are um, staggering how many people are right. still getting sick. And on that truck, uh, one, one of our good friends passed away, and, uh, and then another guy got a pretty unusual throat cancer. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, the uh, lingering effects are still being felt, 
and uh, it's uh, it, it, the numbers are uh, really uh, you know uh, not completed yet on how many people were killed uh, from that that day. Yeah, yeah, no lingering lingering health effects. Uh, Allison, uh, again, this uh, you know kind of engulfed the whole region, really the whole country and the whole world. Just some final thoughts as we move toward the end. I think it's really important for everybody this weekend to stop and to pause and to reflect and to mourn those who've been lost. Mm. I feel very strongly about that. It's hard to talk about it today, actually, yeah. to tell you the truth. No, it is. You're right. That 20 years later, again, you all get a little older. The world keeps moving. There's another report we want to share from you. Uh, Bob and I went over to the Basilica in Newark, again, about 15 miles across, uh, across, uh, across the river. But again, another major city impacted by the people they lost and just by the week that followed. Go ahead and roll that for us. The kids from St. Lucie's came to church today. So did their teachers and others from near and far. My heart is hurting. It's been so sad. I'd just like to be in there right now for a little solitude and, and to be with my fellow man. How about you, men? Well, I'm a long way from home. I'm from California. So I'm kind of anxious about being able to uh, be home with my family. The organ music inside marking the start of what would be an emotional midday mass. And we are not the same. With Tuesday's tragedy shaping the bishop's remarks. May God bring to eternal life those snatched from our homes in these acts of war. Don't want to forget, uh, we, we focus on Ground Zero, don't want to forget it, the, the, uh, it was felt far and wide, uh, Newark and Jersey City and all kinds of places, and Washington, D.C. We mm -hmm. can't forget Washington, D.C., the Pentagon. Bob, you and I traveled down there to do several stories, and we saw that gash in the side of the Pentagon. Mm -hmm. It was stunning to see that. Yes, it was, yeah. Yeah, and in, in Pennsylvania, too. Pennsylvania, right? too, as well. Yeah. Allison, uh, just a last thought, final reflection, and we'll let you go. I would love to hear from the Swift family if they happen to be around. I'm going to reach out to them for sure. We kept in touch for quite a few years after this, right. but also to Rescue 4 because all of the firefighters I showed you in that picture, right. they've all retired now. They have very different lives now than they did back then, but at the same time, I'm sure that they're going to have a hard time this weekend. Right. And, and you know, I don't know what it is, but I've been watching a lot of these news shows and documentaries of late, and a lot of them are talking more about the injured. When all of this was talked, we were talking about the lives lost, of course, but a lot of people were hurt, a lot of people were injured, and a lot of people carry the scars and the burns of 9-11 uh, with them. I don't want to lose, I want to lose sight of that, and of course the survivors who have dealt with this and the heartache for 20 years now. Bob, final words. Well, I, like you said, I, I think we should remember that day, on, you know, not forget it, right. and, uh, and, and, and now, 20 years later, we're reflecting on it, and it's important to do that. Thanks for coming in. Allison, thanks for sharing with us. Bob, nice to have you back in the building. <laughs> and nice to have you with us again. That's 10 News Conference, the number one and longest running political show. We took a break from politics today to bring you a special, but we'll be back again next week.